Hey, it's Alan, and I just wanted to let you know that you can now listen to the ongoing history of new music early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. If you came of age musically in Canada in the 1990s, you'll remember that it was an extraordinary time. There was this mass embracing of homegrown music. It was part nationalism, part patriotism, but it was also something else. A vast generation of young people simultaneously said, Canadian music is as good as anything the rest of the world has to offer, and we want more of it. And we got it. More acts were signed to the big labels and made records. Radio played those records. Much music ran the videos. There were tours and festivals. Record stores stacked this stuff up front. And after a few short years, a brand new star system emerged. Some of those stars are still with us. Our Lady Peace, Matthew Good, the Bare Naked Ladies, Sloan. They've all had fruitful, multi-decade careers that began in either the very late 1980s or the early 1990s. The tragically hit became a juggernaut. Alanis Morissette had the biggest-selling album from a female artist of all time. And let's not forget that a couple of those big, shiny tunes compilations from Much Music, which were heavy on the Canadian content, sold more than a million copies just in this country. But, like all eras of music, there was attrition, as artists came and went, passing into the realm of memories. I mean, that's the music business, right? There are some long-term survivors, but most of it is pretty evanescent. So what happened to the rest of these acts? Did they really break up? Are they still doing stuff? Where are the members of these bands today? Let's try to track down some of the can-rock groups of the 90s. This is part one. This is the Ongoing History of New Music podcast with Alan Cross. From 1997, that's Age of Electric with Remote Control from the album Make a Pest a Pet. All right, what's their story today? Well, first of all, the band was from Regina and Lanigan, Saskatchewan. Uh, then we have the two Doll brothers, Ryan and Kurt. They formed an offshoot band called Limblifter, and they had some hits that extended through the early 2000s. The Doll brothers had another band that you might remember called Static and Stereo, but then Kurt left to join the new pornographers while Ryan stayed behind in Limblifter. Since then, three of the members have gone on to work in Matt Good's backup band. But there was another Limblifter album in 2015 called Pacific Milk. Meanwhile, Todd Kearns from Age of Electric has been working as the bass player and backup vocalist for Slash. Yes, as in Guns N' Roses Slash. In his band, The Conspirators. Oh, and there was an Age of Electric show in Calgary in 2015 and a reissue of their best album, Make a Pest a Pet, in 2017. Oh, and Ryan Dahl is now working with Hoxley Workman and Steve Bays of Hot Hot Heat in a band called Mountie. Got that? Yeah, there's a lot more where that came from. Hi there, I'm Alan Cross, and we are going to try to track down the fate of Canadian bands from all across the country that were big in the 90s, but have since faded from view. In other words, where are these can rock bands now? Let's investigate the current whereabouts of The Watchmen. They were formed in Winnipeg in 1988, had their first gold record in 1991. And their biggest album was In the Trees, which came out in 1994 and sold very nicely, north of 100,000 copies in this country. There were cross-Canada tours, there were festival appearances, there were Juno Award nominations. But by 2003, it just wasn't fun anymore, so they announced a farewell tour and broke up. But 
Like so many breakups, this one did not stick. And in 2008, there was a reunion. Nothing too serious, just the occasional gig. Singer Daniel Greaves is far too busy running a bar called Motel in the Parkdale area of Toronto. Uh, i tell you what, if you want to see the Winnipeg Jets play and you live in Toronto, the bar runs all the games on its TVs. Meanwhile, guitarist Joey Serlin works as a composer for things like video games and films. His company is called Vapor RMW. Bass player Ken Tizard worked with Ian Thornley's band for a while before releasing a couple of solo albums. One came out in 2018. And the last thing I heard about drummer Sammy Cohen was that he sold ads for Toronto Life magazine and then worked for a while as an account director at Spotify Canada. And now he's back selling real estate. So there is your Watchman update. Let's go back to 94 and In the Trees. This was one of several singles. The Watchmen and Boneyard Tree from their 1994 album In the Trees. All right, moving on to Lowest of the Low. They evolved out of an 80s band called Popular Front and tried to get a major record deal, but were rejected by just about everybody. Same thing when they morphed into Lowest of the Low by 1991. Nothing. Although the band does admit that there was interest, but they, they kind of self-sabotaged that whole approach. Nevertheless, they soldiered on as an indie group, which back in the early 90s was a really risky thing to do. You see, the general thinking was that if you were any good, you'd have been signed by a major. The fact that you were still an indie just meant that you weren't worth anyone's time. And I, and I know that sounds really unfair, but that was the prevailing attitude amongst the majority of rock fans back in the day. But just like fellow indies, the Bare Naked Ladies, a band who crossed paths with Lowest of the Low quite a bit, they decided, you know, to hell with everything. And they embarked on a complete do-it-yourself path. The result was a record called Shakespeare My Butt, which was released in late 1991. This was a fantastic record, one that kept showing up in polls and surveys as one of the finest rock albums in Canadian history. It would eventually sell more than 50,000 copies, which was an astonishing amount for an indie record. And the band would also prove to be very influential in terms of so many other Canadian bands that would emerge in the 1990s. This should have set Lowest of the Low up for a big career. But then, by their own admission, they started shooting themselves in the foot. They received major label offers after Shakespeare My Butt, but they didn't like any of the plans laid out for them, so instead they stayed indie and released a second album called Hallucigenia in 1994. That record came out on a label out of Vancouver called LSD. And just so you know, one of the marketing plans the label came up with was to include an actual tab of LSD with every 7-inch single release from the record. That never happened, but it'll give you an idea of what kind of company it was. The album was a critical and commercial flop, too. So the band broke up, and nobody spoke to each other for about six years. But then in 2000, some offers for a reunion started coming in. And that was enough to kick off a period where the band decided to never call any lull in activity a breakup. Instead, they continued to get back together every once in a while to do something. In 2001, they released a live album entitled Nothing Short of a Bullet, which also came with three new songs. There was a new studio album called Sorted Fiction in 2004, and we got another studio record in 2017 entitled Do the Right Thing. 
Plus, there's a massive box set called Shakespeare My Box, which collects together all lowest of the low albums on vinyl, together with posters and stickers and other things that you find in a box set. Time to play something. This is from Shakespeare My Butt in 1991. Bleed a Little Wild Tonight, Lowest of the Low, from their 1991 debut album, which I still think is one of the finest Canadian indie records ever. Shakespeare My Butt. I love the Where Are They Now story behind this band. Sandbox was from New Glasgow, Nova Scotia. And after sending out some demos, they nailed down a deal with Vancouver's Network Records. In 1995, they released an album entitled Bionic, which ended up being nominated for a Best New Group Award at the Junos. There was a second album in 1997, but there were problems with the record company. They didn't like the sound of the band's new direction. And so, rather than bend to that will, they broke up. So, where are the members of Sandbox now? Well, bass player Scott McFarlane continues to work in music, picking up sideman gigs. Jason Archibald is now a doctor. He graduated from Dalhousie University in 2001. I'm not entirely sure where singer Paul Murray is, although I can tell you he's the nephew of singer Anne Murray. And uh, then there's guitarist Mike Smith. He's doing fine. He met up with a couple of other guys and founded... The Trailer Park Boys. So, yeah, the guitarist on this song is the future bubbles of Sunnyvale Trailer Park. Sandbox, a Can Rock hit from 1996 called Curious. Back with more lost Can Rock bands of the 90s in just a moment. This is a look back at some of the lost Canadian alt-rock bands of the 90s. Where are they today, if anywhere? Remember this 1994 song from the Gendarvis? From London, Ontario, the Gendarvas, with pretty much their only hit, but it was a big one on the radio back then. That's First Day of Spring from the album A Soap Bubble and Inertia. Like Lowest of the Low, their first success came as an indie band. The attention this album brought got them a major label deal, which resulted in two more albums. All three were released in Japan, for some reason. They had a reasonable fan base there. Unclear why, but they did. But like so many other bands, they were victims of a lull in interest in 90s-style alt-rock, and they broke up in 2000. I can tell you that singer Paul Yego is now a geologist. He's living in Arizona. He was headquartered in a place, and I'm deadly serious about this, a place called Nothing, Arizona. That's, that's the name of the town. Nothing, Arizona. It's in the northwest part of the state. He also has a musical project with his wife called Said Dog, and you can find them on Facebook. Next up is Glue Lake. They were originally from Guelph, Ontario, but moved to Toronto to experiment with a mix of rock, jazz, funk, and something else. Rap, maybe? They made an awful lot of noise for just a few guys. And I can tell you that there was no one that sounded like Glue Lake back then, in this country anyway. Carlos Alonso played something called a stick, 
which is essentially one big long fretboard with either 10 or 12 strings. Not the easiest thing to play. Glue Leg released one cassette and three albums, the third of which was produced by Sylvia Massey, a woman who has everyone from Tool to the Red Hot Chili Peppers to System of a Down to Cage the Elephant on her resume. The song that got Glue Leg started was on a 1995 album entitled Heroic Doses. Here's the title track. Blue Lake, with the title track of their 1994 album, Heroic Doses. Where are they now? Well, drummer Christian Sampson played around with Edwin after he left I, Mother Earth. There was also a short stint in Moist and with Saga, the prog rock group. And he's now running his own HVAC condo service. Guitarist Ruben Huizenga has his own studio where he's worked with Edwin, there's that name again, and also with Big Rec. Chowder, the bass player, later worked with Moist singer David Usher, now works at BMW in the motorcycle shop and still plays the odd time. Basically quiet anonymous gigs and open mics. Andy Wise, the keyboardist and sax guy, went on to work as an electrician in Fort McMurray in the oil sands where he played in a band called Backbone and occasionally led and judged karaoke sessions. He's now living in Yorkton, Saskatchewan. Bob Makowitz went on to a career in sports radio and original singer and stick player Carlos Alonso was out of music for a while, but spent part of 2018 recording an album at Peter Gabriel's Real World Studios in England. One of the great Canadian female alt-rockers of the 90s was Biff Naked. Odd name, that. She's been called Biff since she was in grade 8. The Naked part came when she was in a punk band called Gorilla Gorilla. I think she was in that when she was taking drama courses at the University of Winnipeg. Anyway, she had a friend who was a stripper, and for a while, Biff thought that she was headed for that line of work. But then somebody in the band said, see Biff, comma, naked. And that became Biff Naked, and it stuck. After a 1995 self-titled debut album, she released two more big records, one going gold, the other going platinum. And she had a great live run, too, performing with everyone from the Foo Fighters and the Smashing Pumpkins to Green Day and Snoop Dogg. And if you know the Offspring video, The Kids Aren't All Right, she's in that one. She appeared on TV, including in an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slaver and on The L Word. She voiced cartoons. She was cast in movies, worked on various humanitarian projects, pursued work as both a writer and a poet and other things. But then in 2008, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. However, she did manage to beat that after lots of chemotherapy. That led to a memoir entitled I Bificus, yes, the same as the album, and today she's living in Toronto with her third husband and continues to perform live as well as maintain her website at biffnaked.com. Let's go back to an album entitled I Bificus. This was all over Canadian radio in 1998. Biff Naked and Spaceman. This is a where are they now look at some of the big Canadian bands of the 1990s. And for this next group, you have to go about as far away from their hometown as you can without leaving the planet to find out what's happening with them. Perth is on the west coast of Australia, and this is where you'll find Jeff Martin of the Tea Party, which is a long way from Windsor, Ontario, 
which is where all three members of the band are from. The group had a 15-year, six-album run from 1990 to 2005, selling hundreds of thousands of records at home and in places like, yes, Australia. But then the whole creative differences thing settled in and the band broke up. Jeff moved to Ireland to start a solo career. Then came a band called The Armada, followed by Jeff Martin 777, and he also served as a producer for a number of acts. Bass and keyboard player Stuart Chatwood is a producer of music for video games. He did the soundtracks for eight Prince of Persia games for Ubisoft, which collectively have sold 10 million copies. And he did the soundtrack for another game called Darkest Dungeon. And for a while, he was a strong candidate to be the bass player for the Smashing Pumpkins. But that ended up not working out. Stewart is also working on a project called Uncommon Folk, which seeks to help people diagnosed with a sensory processing disorder called misophonia. This is a condition where negative emotions and physical reactions are triggered by specific sounds, and it can be a really serious condition. And one more, Jeff Burroughs, the drummer. He joined a band called Crash Karma with ex-members of Our Lady Peace Nine Weather Earth, uh, Edwin, as a matter of fact, and he also works for various charitable causes. Now, in 2011, there was a full-on Tea Party reunion, which has stuck, by the way. The band has toured, released an album called The Ocean at the End of the World, which was in 2014, and issued an anniversary set or two. This was probably their biggest hit chart-wise. It was a number one single in late 1999. Here's the Tea Party and Heaven Coming Down. Interesting note about the Tea Party, and I'm talking about the band here. There, of course, is that faction of the U.S. Republican Party called the Tea Party. And this created some great confusion because the band's website was teaparty.com. And it got so weird in 2011 that the band said that they would sell their domain to the Americans for a million dollars. Take it. It's yours. We're sick of getting all the hits from people who are mistaking us for you political types. But there were no takers. And they continue to own that name, TeaParty.com. One more. Moist was another band who had a great run through the 1990s. They were formed in Vancouver and rode the grunge wave with a series of mid-tempo songs that worked very well on the radio. The first album was called Silver, and it sold close to half a million copies in Canada. The second was Creature, more than 300,000 copies. And then Mercedes Five and Dime, which also went platinum. It was during a tour for that last album that drummer Paul Wilcox hurt his back and had to bow out of live performances. And once the group limped to the end of that road trip, they decided to take a break. And that break lasted 12 years. Singer David Usher went solo, releasing seven albums on his own. Guitarist Mark McAway published a really good book called The Indie Band Bible, which offers some very important advice to anyone starting a group. And keyboardist Kevin Young worked as a freelance writer. And like many of the bands that we've mentioned on this program, offers for a reunion eventually started coming in. The announcement came in June 2013 with a couple of lineup changes, and the band continues to record and perform today. The last album was called Glory Under Dangerous Skies in 2014. But let's go back to that massive selling debut record from 1994. This is Moist from Silver with Push. Like it down and drive me through. 
Moist and Push, 1994. Once you start making a list of great can-rock bands from the 90s, it quickly becomes very, very, very long. That means we'll have to carry this topic over to a second show. If any band you remember from the 90s didn't make it onto this episode, wait till next time. Well, and thanks to Gilles LeBlanc for helping out with some of the research. We're converting ongoing history shows into podcasts. They're available on iTunes or wherever you get your on-demand audio. Name a platform and we're there. Subscribe, rate, and review. That is really a big help. Meanwhile, I want to invite you over to my website, which is a ajournalofmusicalthings.com. If you're looking for any sort of music news and information, it's updated every single day. And there's a free daily newsletter to remind you what's going on. And I'm also available through Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Google+. And send me an email anytime, alan at alancross.ca. Lost Can Rock Bands Part 2, next time. Technical Productions by Rob Johnston. I'm Alan Cross. You've been listening to the Ongoing History of New Music podcast with Alan Cross. Subscribe to the podcast through iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and everywhere you find your favorite podcasts. 